Hi, Sai. How are you? I'm good, Carly. How are you doing? Good, thank you. What's the latest? I just uh, I just went to get an antihistamine. I thought I don't want to be sneezing on the podcast. <laughs> And I picked up the box and I picked up the nitol accidentally. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't take it. I, I oh, it in time. Imagine that, taking a nitol before your first podcast. <laughs> so yeah, so we've we started on the professional run that we now need to keep to. Yeah, yeah. you just started slurring halfway through and falling asleep. I oh, know, that's, that's not what we need. That'd be hilarious. How's, how's things in your world? Good. I think it's only when you're recording a podcast, do you become really sensitive to the noise around you? So I've got neighbours moving in and moving out next door. I've got a school over the back of me, which I normally love the sound of like the children playing at, outside, but I've had to close all the windows. I've got Fred locked away upstairs. He's a dog, not a child. Oh, no, bring Fred down. But he's he has... snoring. <laughs> but he's got water and there's an open window, so he's all right. Um, oh, bless him. So, yeah. I was, I was thinking because obviously we've both been on podcasts and they say you know like try and avoid the paper shuffling and keep noise to a minimum that kind of makes it real you know you kind of need that I'm going to shuffle some papers and you know get some barking okay in you the do that we probably need to welcome our listeners to kick ass employer brands our new podcast we do indeed we do indeed so super exciting People have told me many times over the years that I speak too fast and I mumble. So I thought, what better format to uh, to convey what we're doing than a podcast? But no, genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to talk to people who've got a lot to say on employer branding. It's a subject that's super close to my heart, as I know it is yours. Um, yeah, 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 So definitely. I'm really excited for what we've got coming up. So I'm Carly Murray, and you're my co-host. Simon Andrew. Well done. Thanks, got that bit right. <laughs> And we are going to be chatting to loads of guests uh, who are all much more knowledgeable about employer brands than us and asking them what they think makes a kick-ass employer brand, what challenges they've come up against, what they've overcome, what they think other kick-ass employer brands look like. And hopefully for our listeners, that listeners, there'll be loads of hints and tips of how you build a kick-ass employer brand. Yeah, and that will be people from the world of HR, where actually perhaps the brand has grown a bit more organically based on their culture. And then people who work as experts actually to come into companies and review and revitalize their their brand and make sure the recruitment is delivering what it needs to be. So a nice, yeah, a nice balance and a nice, uh, a nice bit of variety for people, hopefully. Yeah. So employer brand of the week. We both wanted to chat about the same brand this week because it's been in the news and uh, and it may not be for good reasons uh it might be for bad reasons and in this case it's not the greatest reason but i think there's good that can come out of it and it's brewdog so for those who haven't heard side do you want to give a little synopsis of why brewdog have been in the press i mean i've been a big fan of brewdog over the years because they've done some great stuff externally they plant trees when you buy beers they're very environmental always saying the right things to make you think do you know what they really care about their people they're, they're an amazing brand and so it was really gutting this week when it turns out that some of their employees have, have come together to write a letter to talk about the toxic culture. And I think it was maybe about 60 people that kind of grouped together. So it feels like there's, you know, there's a real sort of underlying current of things aren't right. And maybe what you see on the outside isn't actually you know, how it is on the inside. So for me personally, I was really, really disappointed. Yeah, I felt like um, I'd been sucked in, definitely, in terms of... And that's why I feel so passionate about employer brands is that, yes, you want them to 
tell a story externally to attract people to come and work for them and part of that is going to be aspirational and so therefore you're going to be talking about what you want to be not necessarily what you are but it's quite clear that they are not what they appear to be um, on the outside so therefore they haven't been telling a truthful story and therefore some of their ex-employees have kind of come together to share that story because they felt that it needed to be heard and I don't don't know what you think about the CEO, so James, what the CEO's response. Yeah. I think there was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction initially, which perhaps wasn't the best reaction, which was to sign this before 10.30 to say that you've got a great place to work, which I think maybe came out of like a PR team or something. It's James Watt, isn't it? James Watt, the CEO. I'm, I'm just going to say yes, but anyone yeah. could probably correct us. <laughs> yeah, somebody correct us. It's definitely anyway. James. I think I think he's come across genuine. He's held his hands up. He said, we've got this wrong. We're going to listen. We're going to take action. And then he's had a kick in from people. And I understand why. But as long as he you know, does follow through and does improve things and listen and act. Yeah, I think he acknowledged that words don't fix that, that it is actions, right? Which is true. That's that's kind of what you want to hear. But I guess as long as as long as those actions then are delivered, because it is still words at this point, whatever he says, it is still words, right? But his, yeah. his acknowledgement of that, I think, is important and hopefully hopefully they'll bounce back yeah yeah definitely so that's our employer brand of the week and then we've got a um a shameless plug for uh kick-ass employer brand training led by carly murray and simon andrew uh later on in the year and it's free so actually it shouldn't be a shameless plug we're giving something away free we're doing some good carly i mean we're we, doing don't, we some didn't good. want to be doing this we're doing some people you know it's for their good not for ours we are going to take people through how to, if they haven't got much budget to spend, they can't afford to get an agency in, how you can build a kick-ass employer brand. A free 60-minute session, and we'll give you the tools that you need to be able to do that. So if you're interested, go to ineedsurgery.com forward slash EBT, which stands for Employer Brand Training. And you'll get the details of how you can sign up to this free training session if it's something that you think will be useful for you. Awesome. Super exciting stuff. So, well, we still need to introduce our guest for this week. Yes. So our guest for this week, Sai, you know her personally. So I will let you introduce her. Awesome. So, yeah, super excited for our guest this week uh, is Catherine Kendall, who's the Chief People Officer at Benefex. So Benefex provide employee experience platform, one hub, and they recently won an award for being the best supplier to work for. So kind of like well-recognized. And, and I know Catherine personally from working at Benefex years ago. So it'd be nice to chat from, from that perspective. So yeah, yeah definitely. super excited to have her on as, as guest number one. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to finding out what she uh, thought about working with you. Oh God. All right, let's, let's <laughs> cut that bit. <laughs> right, Catherine, we're on a really tight schedule. You can't talk about Simon. We've got to stick to the subject. <laughs> cool shall we get on yeah let's do it okay so let's welcome Catherine kendall so Catherine, welcome to the kick-ass employer brand podcast lovely to have you on thank you very much thank you for having me great stuff so um we see that you won an award last year for best supplier to work for could you tell us a little bit about that yeah, 100%. It's unlike genuinely, I know sometimes awards like Oscar season or, you know, kind of like it seem a little bit meaningless, but this one like meant so much. And, and do you know what? I think it meant more 
because it came coming out of that weird period of time we've lived through, which has been the whole pandemic experience. You know, I think there's there's lots of great organisations out there doing lots of amazing things. And, you know, we're hugely proud of all of our customers who've been going through and winning awards and, and all kinds of things. But I think for me, everything stems from delivering a great experience for our people. And what that award really did was it really went through you know, it, what was nice is, is it felt quite easy to bring the data because actually we collect a lot of data on our people at Benefex because I think it's one thing to feel like you're doing a good thing as an employer and it's a completely different thing to actually feel that you couldn't show and demonstrate that by, by the evidence that your people give. And what was great was we could really show the journey that we'd been on and some of the great stuff that we'd done, but really, really importantly, how we'd responded to, to listening to our people because I do think yeah. you can look like you've got the most amazing employer brand in the world and it might be lovely yeah. and awesome and dancing but unless you're delivering what your people want it's ultimately completely meaningless and I think that's why that why the award meant so much yeah that's great I mean both um, myself and Carlos super driven by the, the employee-led aspect of employer brands like it's got to be true to the people and b- before actually we started speaking to you we were talking about Brewdog so hopefully you've seen in the news the fact they yes, came out <laughs> so that was a bit of a shocker we were both fans and now it's kind of shattered yeah. our world almost um, yeah. <laughs> so how how do you kind of get that balance right because it feels like what they were doing was externally doing loads of great stuff but then sort of forgetting the internal piece and not joining them up how do you make sure that actually what people see as benefits from the outside is true to that experience that you've talked about but I think it's exactly that. I think, you know, you can, you can write the best collateral in the world, you can run the best campaigns in the world. And if it's not meaningful and it doesn't represent what's happening inside your organisation, a little bit like Brewdog, you're going to get found out. And I, I firmly believe, you know, if you ask me what's the one single thing you should do to create a great employer brand, it's authenticity. You cannot mm. try. It's a little bit like culture, right? You don't get to define your culture. Your culture is what you've created by the collection of people that you've brought together and how you behave and interact with those people. You don't get to say, well, I want a culture like this. And it's a little bit like that with employer brands. So I think the most important thing that we can do is, is listen to those people. Put your hands up when you get it wrong because you will get it wrong. And actually, some of the strongest employers and employer brands that I know are those who actually they're not getting it right all the time they're making mistakes. We've we've made loads of mistakes in the time I've been at Benefex. We've done loads of things that we've got things wrong. And actually We've gone out and we've listened to the feedback and we've owned up to it and we've made ourselves stronger as a result. But you have to listen to your people. And the Brewdog feedback is probably one good example mm. of an employee body that simply didn't feel like they were being listened to. And unfortunately, it then escalated into, into something that became very, very public. Yeah, definitely. But how honest do you have to be, though, Catherine? Because you don't want to put people off. <laughs> And there are some businesses that, you know, yeah, they want you to come work for them, but actually they know it's hard work. They know that it might be hard to get things done. But on the flip side, it's really friendly and welcoming and supportive. So it's like, you know, do you come clean about those kind of things about the culture that perhaps aren't so great before people start? So I think you have to. I have a really strong view on this, really strong view. I think you have to be absolutely warts and all. And and I always say when I'm interviewing anybody for Benefex and anybody listening to this who's ever been interviewed by me for Benefex will have heard me say, it's the best job I've ever had and it's the hardest job I've ever had. And I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. But too often, I think, as we go through that recruitment and selection process, because we want to attract really good talent, right, we fall into the trap of, oh, my God, we've got to do a salesperson's job on this. We've got, like, everything's amazing and this is great and this is great and this is great. But like any business, there's the great stuff, there's the less great stuff, there's the really good days and there's the slightly shitty days. And we should be really, really honest and open about those things. Yeah, what people value from their employers more than anything else is that transparency. It doesn't have, have to be all roses, but mm. it does have to be honest about when it's not all roses. And I think that's a trap a lot of employers 
fall into. I don't want anybody coming into our business with rose tinted glasses on. I'd rather they know the good, the bad and the ugly and come and yeah. expect because I think it, it just makes for a much fairer employee experience as a result. Yeah, definitely. So Catherine, yeah, that's really interesting actually, because you guys have got quite a unique interview process at Benefex. Would you mind just talking to us about that a little bit? Yeah, 100%. And, and again, it's it's designed to be very warts and all. So lots of traditional interview processes, I think, you are seen by the people at the top of the hierarchy, but you don't actually meet the people that you're going to work with day to day. You don't actually get to understand the job that you're going to do. You know, it's all, it's all very well for me to say, well, this is what it's like to work in, I don't know, work in our technical team. But actually, the far better experience for you as a candidate is to meet somebody who works in that technical team and say, well, tell me what it's like. What do you love? What do you not love? So we try and do a real range of assessments bringing people in we also really proud of the fact one of the things we've been really successful at over over the sort of the last few years is bringing in a very diverse range of candidates but particularly in some of our technical teams some some very neurodiverse candidates so candidates who perhaps you know the, the interview process is designed for extroverts and i say this as an enormous extrovert but it's designed for extroverts it's designed for yeah. people but if i'm perhaps somebody who falls somewhere on the autistic spectrum if i'm very introverted to come in and meet a room of strangers and have to sell myself, I could fall down quite badly and actually find that a very difficult and a very stressful process. But also as an employer, I'm not going to see the best of that person. So we really try to work with certain teams and with some of the people within our organisation to say, well, how do we make this more inclusive? How do we make this more comfortable? How can we perhaps, I don't know, talk to you about what it's going to be like when you come in, give you a real structure to the process? Can we do some stuff via video? Obviously in the pandemic, we've done an awful lot of things mm. via Zoom and that's worked really well. But it's, it's to try and make that recruitment process as, as three-dimensional as possible, but also, like I say, to, to show you every element, because I think too often employers focus solely on the perspective of the employee. You know, I, I need to find the right person for the job, but you as the candidate need to know if this is the right place for you to come and work. And, and I'm always really open with people that benefits won't be for everybody. And I don't think that's a bad thing, actually, in the same way that some of the big corporates won't be for everybody. We all have different wants and desires from a working environment. It's my job to, to show them as they are so that it's not only me making the decision, but it's the candidate and able to make the right decision for them too. Yeah. It's really refreshing to hear that because I think you kind of forget that there's the right person for you. And if you, if you have to lie to get those people, they're not right for you kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? There's that honesty that joins it all up. I find it fascinating that you're um, kind of thinking about introverts and uh, it's the same as schools, you know, thinking about mm. that, you know, learning styles just, you know, doesn't work for every child and that you have to do different things for different learning styles. But how is that then reflected once people are in the business? Because they might have this great interview process that really works for them as an introvert, but then they might step through the door and then everything's kind of a little bit in their face. So then does that follow through? Yeah, I think it's a really fair question. And I think I'll be the first to say, I don't think we're there yet. I think we do some stuff really well. There's definitely some stuff that's still, and I think there's there's a load of really good books which talk about how the, how the workplace today is very much designed for extroverts. And I look at everything through an extrovert lens. So it's almost taking that step back. But I think where we're starting to make some real strides forward, and funnily enough, the pandemic's helped us with this, is really focusing on for an employee experience to be successful, it has to be personalised. And that's truly personalised, not segmented, personalised. So as we're now looking like lots of organisations in terms of going back into what a post-pandemic world will look like, which is likely going to be hybrid for, I would say, the majority of organisations who've done what we did and shifted to fully remote. We're really trying to work with individuals to go, well, actually, for you personally, what do you want now from, from that employee experience? And what enables you to keep all of the great stuff that you've had from being at home, which perhaps is no commute through the hell of the M27 roadworks, which are still there. I don't know how they're still there. They're still there. How have they not finished them? Um, yeah. You know, it, it might be having to do that commute for your days a week. It might be 
you know, we've had a lot of people who've gone for the first time in their lives, they can do the school run. And actually that's something they never do before. So that's a big thing. But also then finding that time, that collaboration time, whether that's in the office, whether that's using Zoom or Teams or other collaboration tools. I think it therefore, because I think speaking to, you know, some of the people I know who fall on that introverted end of the spectrum, it enables them to get that quiet time to regroup, which I think in the open plan office world of today, that's very hard to do when you're, you know, when you are someone who's introverted. You might be able to find a, a meeting room or a small corner, but we're getting loads of feedback from people who are actually saying, this is really starting to make a difference. And I think that's a key message to organisations is you have, there can't be a one size fits all approach. There just can't, you can't go down that route. You have to treat those people as individually as they are, because I think that leads to better outcomes, obviously for the individual, but I think it leads to better outcomes for you as an employer too. Definitely. Doesn't it make it harder for managers though? It does loads harder because, you know, we have this whole pandemic when suddenly we can no longer manage people by how many hours they sit at their desk every day. And, you know, kind of there's this thing. But it forces us to really make the shift. And, I, and I've said, and I've maintained for a long time now that we generally cross industries in this country and probably globally as well. We don't put enough time and effort into training and creating good managers. Management almost becomes something that you do on top of your day job. We've got to start to teach people to manage by outcomes. And that's hard. Yeah. That's really hard. But again, when you do that, you're going to deliver so much more as a business because all of a sudden you might look fantastic because you're sitting at your desk till eight o'clock every night, but your productivity might be through the floor because actually you are literally just sitting there and you're, and you're not delivering. And I think if we can start to shift this world of work to one where performance is measured on outcomes, not time logged on or time at your desk, that's a game changer for everybody. It's a game changer for our people, but it's a game changer for us because we're going to be so much more productive as businesses as a result. So, so to me, it's, it's a no-brainer, but we have to invest that time to make it work. So it's a really fair point, Carly. Completely agree. And uh, Catherine, I imagine there's lots of people listening going, Jesus, I wish my employer had that view and did all of this stuff. <laughs> so no, that, that's great. How do you make sure people externally from Benefex kind of know about this good stuff you're doing and know about your views on culture? So, you know, how do you make sure you share that stuff externally? I'm definitely no shrinking violet. So as anybody who follows me on LinkedIn will know, I have a, a lot of a lot of very strong views on, on where I see the world work. But to me, there's this there's this big dichotomy between how we like to live and interact and behave in our personal lives versus work lives if you look at things like dress codes my favorite example so when we're all not at work we all choose to dress in the way that we're comfortable or is appropriate for the activity we're going to do and then suddenly we go into an organization lots of organizations still now are like well now you must have a dress code why what what are you gaining by doing that so to answer your question side I try to talk about this stuff a lot, and I think Benefex does a really good job as well as, as sort of an employer in terms of talking about this a lot, because the more people who start to have these conversations, I think the more we change the narrative. But this isn't, I don't think this is a come to one seminar and, and you'll change how you work, or read one article and you'll change this. This is a gradual drip feed, but I think one that brings the worlds of our personal lives and our work lives much, much closer together in terms of actually some of the things that we really enjoy and value, like being treated like adults and being given autonomy and things. That's why we value that in personal life. Let's make sure that's replicated in the work environment. But it's, you know, it's a journey to go on. But I just think trying to talk about it and the more we talk about it, the more open we are about it. I hope the more it encourages others to follow suit. But I also hope that it encourages employees to have much higher expectations of their employers as well. Because I think in the, in the right way, we all need to challenge our employers and the organisations around us to deliver that because like I say it does get to better outcomes for everyone I feel like the term flexibility has completely changed from a business meaning perspective in terms of flexibility before was 
you know, going to be able to go to the dentist in your work hours or pick your kids kids up from school kind of every now and again. Whereas flexibility, I feel like people now want that to mean I work where where I want, when I want, how many hours I want, as long as I am delivering. Yeah, definitely. And, and it comes down to trust, right? For a long time, I don't think either side has massively trusted one another in the, in the employee-employer relationship. So we've kind of papered over those cracks by putting in place these restraints and okay well you'll have to be here from nine to five or eight thirty to five thirty every single day and you'll you'll have to do these things again the pandemic's been really interesting because i think it's fast forwarded the transition we would probably have seen anyway over kind of you know i don't know a, a sort of a 10 year 15 year period organizations who've had workforces move to remote working like we have have had no choice but to trust those people because they couldn't do anything other than that and I'm sure there's been some instances and in a tiny minority of cases where that trust has been abused. But I think it's a tiny minority. And like we've always mm-hmm. said, you cannot write policies for the minority. You have to start from a position of trust. If I'm mm-hmm. hiring you and I don't trust you, what am I doing? Why am, why am I wasting my time bringing you in? You know, I'm bringing in great people. I'm bringing in adults. I have to trust them to do the right thing. So I think this trust issue is going to be really hard for lots of employers to get their heads around. But I think that is absolutely key because true flexibility comes from a position of trust. It's each other trusting one another to do the right thing and to deliver those great outcomes. But that's that will take time. That does take time to build. I guess when it's an interesting point on trust, and I'm totally with you on that. I guess something else that, that's kind of been thrown out through the idea of his trust is things like Glassdoor. And, you know, we know people listen to their peers more than they do. So uh, large organisations these days. How much do you guys have to be aware of things like Glassdoor? Is that something that is, is kind of part of your strategy you have to keep an eye on? Or is that just, you know, organic like the rest of kind of the culture? Yeah, no, massively, massively so. I mean, I find Glassdoor hugely useful. So we use it really actively as an employer. I go and read every single review on there. I go and respond to every single review. Do I agree with every review? No, I don't. But do I learn something from every review? Yeah, I absolutely do. And funny enough, I learn probably more from the bad reviews than, than the good reviews, which isn't to say I want loads of bad reviews on there. But actually, you know, you've got some people who obviously aren't happy. And, and you know, sometimes there's things that's just subjective and experience they've had that they feel is, is, is wrong or incorrect. But actually, some of the stuff people are talking about, it's sometimes to do with things that we as an organisation, we're not communicating well enough. We're not talking to our people enough about. We've done something, but we've forgotten to properly roll it out or we've rolled it out, but it hasn't landed quite right. So I see Glassdoor as like, it's like free feedback, right? It's And because mm-hmm. it's people typically who've, who've moved on from your organisation or are hiding behind anonymity, I think it's such an important tool. I mean, we've also brought in PECON internally, which measures real-time employee feedback completely anonymously. And I've likened it to suddenly someone's turned on the lights and I can see what I'm doing. Like the transparency it gives you is amazing. But all of those tools are only as valuable as you make them. If you ask for feedback and they do, you ignore it or you don't respond, you almost might as well not bother, right? Your employees and your ex-employees as well need, need to be heard and then need to feel like there's that tangible progress. And I think that was a real contributor to winning the Best Supplier to Work For Award was actually, we haven't got everything right, but what we've really done is we've showed that progress and we've showed that how by listening to our employees, we've been able to make that progress. And I think that's absolutely key. Mm. What employer brands out there, Catherine, do you kind of admire or look to and think, well, they're doing some great stuff? Do you know what? I I was going to sound like I'm avoiding your question. I'm not. I deliberately, I, I deliberately don't because I think an employer brand is only as good as the experience those employees are having within there. So there's, you know, there's yeah. lots of people who do some nice shiny stuff and you know some really, really nice collateral and some great social media presences. 
Yeah. And those truly reflect the experience of the employees within them. Fantastic. But it's a little bit, I think unless you've lived that experience or unless you've, you've been through that, I actually think it's impossible to say who has got a great employer brand. The ones yeah. that we'll call out are the ones who really enable their people to do the talking for them. Because I think when it comes to authenticity, there's a much, probably one of the best activities we've ever done when it comes to our employer brand. And this wasn't done from an employer brand perspective, but it had the knock on effect of doing that. It was a couple of years ago for Pride Month, which obviously we're in right now. We encouraged, and it was led by a group internally of our LGBTQ plus employees. They wanted to lead a campaign on social media for those who identified as LGBTQ plus to basically have kind of like a, a little headshot on Instagram and a little bit of commentary about why they felt Benefex was an inclusive employer, why they felt able to come out or be openly about being out at Benefex. It genuinely hand on heart wasn't done as a, as a piece of PR. It wasn't done as an employer brand yeah. exercise. It was done because that employee group of employees who wanted to lead it. But actually, in terms of the number of people since then who come to interview and come and joined us and said, actually, one of the main reasons I joined was because I could see your, your people, not, not you saying, hey, we're really inclusive, but yeah. people who were there living there saying, this has been a great place to be. That, that is more powerful. So to me, I think the best employer brand profiles out there are those where they're not just saying the right things, they've actually got their people yeah. demonstrating and backing up. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great anecdote to share. Thank you. Finally, if you had sort of like one tip to share with other organisations that were thinking about you know, whether they're reviewing or improving their employer brand, what would, what would your tip be? Listen to your people. Listen to your people and, and, and don't censor that feedback that you hear as well. Sometimes it's really hard to hear. Sometimes I go and there's a, there's a glass door review or there's a bit of peak feedback on peak on it and your instinct is to be defensive. Okay, that's not true. That's not true. But you cannot dispute somebody's perception. I might not want it to be true, but that doesn't mean that that's not how that person's felt right or wrong that's how they felt and so actually listening and then really learning I think we have to become much more humble as a profession not assume that we know it all not assume that we always get it right that applies to business leaders too we don't have all the answers and nor do our people but they have a large number of those answers so let's listen to them because I think by doing that we build a much stronger business that's brilliant Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much for your time. I, I just have to remind you that you did promise you wouldn't swear and there was a little a, a little shit slipped out earlier. Oh, I missed that. That was not a phrase, so. <laughs> we, we, encourage, we wanted us to be totally casual and, and that, that's great. So th thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking to us and thanks for, for being yourself. Yeah, thank you it. so much. Thank you so much. I did, have, I did have another final question, though. What was Cy like to work with? I mean, Carly, how, 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 how long have you got? I mean, my, my legal advisors tell me that I shouldn't, shouldn't mention anything with God. So. <laughs> I can tell you about working with size. My, my very first day at Benefits, and he took me to perhaps the dodgiest burger bar ever for lunch because he he was my selected buddy. Um, and, and we had a really un deeply unpleasant burger to eat is what I remember about, about first day working. And that set the tone for the, for the years of working together ever since, right? That, that's great. Out of all the stories I think you could have shared, I'm happy with that one. So thanks, Catherine. No. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Lovely speaking to you. Lovely chat Thank soon. you very much. Thank you both. Wow. I love chatting to her. She, for me, just made me want to work at Benefex. And obviously, you would expect the chief people officer to talk passionately about the business, but um, it, you know, it felt real and honest. Uh, not just about what they're great at, but also what they're not so great at. And I believed her. And so I, I really enjoyed chatting with Catherine. Yeah, I think I think she was awesome. And I think that's that's a great podcast first guest who makes it so easy for us as well, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I obviously worked at Benefix for, for 12 years. So I've got lots of great things to say about them. 
I mean, really, I feel a bit indebted to them that they sort of helped launch my career, if you like. So I've got lots of awesome and fond memories. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's lovely talking to Catherine again. Definitely. Uh, anyway, let's finish on another shameless plug. If you want to learn how to create a kick-ass employer brand, then go to ineedsurgery.com forward slash EBT, which stands for Employer Brand Training. You have been listening to Kick-Ass Employer Brands. <laughs>